Good morning. Greet each one in Christ's name this morning. We're glad that you're here. And uh, if you're visiting us, we're glad that you're here as well. Good to see Val Yoder here, visiting from Thailand. And uh, others that are visiting, we're welcome to worship with us this morning. It's a privilege to be in the house of the Lord, amen? It's a beautiful springtime that we have, and uh, God has granted us some sunshine, and our hearts are encouraged because of that. We sing that song, One Thing I Have Desired of the Lord, to, uh, to dwell in His house forever, all the days of my life, I think it says. And it's a beautiful picture of being before the Lord and um, dwelling in His presence, having Him speak to my heart. Sometimes I wish, wish to slip away from all the distractions that we have and, and be in that place, that secret place with the Lord and, and only experience His love and His caring and seeking His face, unhindered, uninterrupted. What a wonderful place. That psalm goes on, I jotted down here, and later on in that same psalm, in Psalm 27, it says, Hear, O Lord, when I cry with my voice, when we cry out to the Lord, have mercy upon me and answer me. And when thou saidest, this is what the Lord replied back to him, Seek ye my face. My heart said unto thee, O Lord, thy face I will seek. And that's where we're at this morning. We want to seek the Lord. So let's bow our heads to pray. Lord, we come to seek you. Of ourselves, we muddle things and things go awry. But it is in you that we can rest. And we ask, Lord, that you be here with us this morning as we open your word. As we consider the songs that we sang, make us more pure in our hearts, Lord, to only seek you and lay aside those things that distract us. And help us this day, Lord, to just now lay aside the things that this past week may have stirred in us, that we can fully focus on your face. And we will commit that we will seek your face, Lord. And that you will answer us, we know, we trust. So I ask, Lord, that you, by your Holy Spirit, would stir in each heart this morning. Now, this is about the message and the messenger, you, and not about me. But you would be speaking through me. We give you all glory in Jesus' name. Amen. David already mentioned that today is council meeting or preparatory service. And uh, this first part of the service is like normal. We worship as normal, but sometimes it does cause us to think in uh, avenues of of what it means to be to counsel or to prepare our hearts for communion. And so this morning, my thoughts went that direction, and, and some of the songs that we sang were along those directions as well. It was very fitting. My voice is better than it was, so I, I apologize. It, it is a little bit scratchy, and sometimes I do have to cough, but hopefully things will work for me this morning. A lot of things go through my mind when I, over the years, especially especially in my younger, in my youth years, and as a young adult, um, 
as we came to a preparatory service, a lot of things would go through my mind. What, what all that means and preparing for coming before the Lord and partaking of the emblems that, that signify His suffering. And um, the verse always in my mind was not to take, partake unworthily. And, um, but to me, it's become a precious time where we, in humility, in humility can come before the Lord and Christ and recognize what He has done for us. He was broken and He bled for us. And uh, so that is, that is where we're at this morning. Uh, it's a precious time to come together as a body to recognize those things. And um, when, I count his when I recount His cost, when I remember all that He did for me, uh, then in remembrance, I need to, to evaluate my life. Have I been worthy to partake in, in these emblems in the past? Am I living in that, in that um, reality to drink and eat worthily? And just as importantly, what disqualifies me? That's the thought that went through my mind. What, what disqualifies me from that position? Uh, this becomes very personal. We, we partake as a body, and it's an intimate time as a body, as a church, to come together to, in remembrance, but yet it also comes down to us as individuals as we partake. How is my relationship with the Father? And, 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 uh, and what am I doing uh, by personal remembrance of what Christ has done for me? And it becomes very personal. That's why 2 Corinthians says, examine yourselves to see if you're in the faith. Prove your own selves itself. It says, not, I'm not proving my neighbor. I don't need to. He needs to prove himself, and I need to prove myself as I come to preparatory service. Lest I partake unworthily and bring condemnation upon my own head because I have not discerned the Lord's body. As I have matured as a Christian, and I still have a long ways to go, but I become less worrisome about so much uh, because that I realize that about. How should I say this? As I approach council meeting, it becomes less, I'm less, um, I'm not, in, sometimes when it, we come to, oh, it's communion time, oh, now we start worrying about this thing, concerning about, am I living right? We're supposed to be living right all the time, and that's where I'm coming from this morning. I heard a phrase, um, actually it was maybe a ministry or something, it said, it said, above reproach. That was the, the title, Above Reproach Ministries, maybe. I, f I forget exactly where, how it said it. And I saw that phrase recently, and, and it was, it's a powerful phrase, to live above reproach. Above reproach. And um, I thought, well, that, that would be a good verse to find. I'm, surely that's some, how, do, how does that verse go in the Scripture that says above reproach? Well, if you look in, in the King James Version, there is no verse that connects those two words. Um, but the idea is there. The idea and the concept of living above reproach is in the Scriptures throughout. Reproach is, is, reproach is an expression of disappointment or disapproval. And to be above, to live above reproach would then mean that I live in a way that does not garner disapproval or disappointment. I don't give my detractor, my friend or my foe, any reason to be disapproval 
to disapprove of the way I have conducted myself or lived or the way I've talked. They have no, nothing to, be dis, to, to, to disapprove. They have nothing to find. They find nothing to speak against me. And that reminds me of Daniel. As I thought, of that, that was Daniel through and through, was it not? He lived above reproach. It says in Daniel, it says, Then these men, then said these men, We shall find no, no occasion. We shall not find any occasion against Daniel, except if we find it against him concerning the law of his God. How wonderful would it be if people that are trying to find fault in us would say, You know what? We're not going to find any occasion in this person because they are living above reproach. That's, that's a wonderful testimony. Can I say that? Can my coworkers and my neighbors and my people that I'm in contact with say that about me? I, I, I can't find any fault in that person because he just, he just is so honest and, and, and caring. No reproach. James Fawcett Brown commentary concerning Daniel, this verse in Daniel says, it is the highest testimony, I like what they said, it is the highest testimony to a godly man's walk when his most watchful enemies can find no ground to, of censure save in, in how he walks according to the law of his God, even when it opposes the way of the world, the ways of the world. I'm going to read that again. It is the highest testimony to a godly man's walk, when his most watchful enemies can find no ground of censor, save in that he walks, save in that he walks according to the law of God, even where it opposes the ways of the world. That's that's a wonderful testimony, and that should be our that should be our goal: living above reproach, no regrets, no apologies, no reproach, because we've lived for the Lord in a way that that hasn't caused shade to come across his name. That's the premise. That's the message this morning. My message this morning is short. I hope that's okay. I wasn't sure if my, how my voice would hold out. We have counsel to take. So I, this, this is a short message. So don't uh, stay awake because it's going to be over before you know it. Living above reproach, my, my text verses are in, in 1 Timothy 6, uh, 13 and 14. If you have your Bibles, turn there. 1 Timothy 6, 13 and 14. Here, Timothy's getting advice. Paul is telling him in verse 13 of chapter 6, First uh, Timothy chapter 6, verse 13, I give thee charge in the sight of God, which quickeneth all things. He makes everything alive. Everything that is faltering, He can quicken. And before, Jesus, before Christ Jesus, and then He says, who before Pontius Pilate witnessed a good confession. And what was, what was Pilate's confession concerning Jesus Christ? He said, I find no fault in this man. Christ had lived above reproach, and all the things they brought against him, all the, the things that Pilate knew about this man, he said, I find, I find no fault in this man. That was his confession. No fault. Nothing stood out. Nothing. In John, speaking of the same thing, Pilate saith unto him, what is truth? And, 
And in, instead of listening to what Jesus would reply, he, it says, and then he, when he had said this, he went out again unto the Jews, and he said unto them, I find no fault in him at all. There was nothing. What, he is our example. He is our most perfect example of how we should live above reproach. The testimony of Pilate was, I find no fault in him. This is the one who, when he was reviled, he reviled not again. This Christ, this man named Jesus, our example. In in 1 Peter 2.23, it says, And when he was reviled, he reviled not again. When we're reviled, how do we respond? When someone brings accusations against me, my false exact accusations against us, how do we respond? Do we, do we try to shut them down? Tell them where they should stand? When he was reviled, he reviled not again. Do I vilify my accusers when I'm falsely accused? If I do, then I'm not living above reproach. In Christ, we have no reputation except. We have no reputation to uphold except for his reputation. It's not our reputation we need to, to worry about. I have no rights in Christ. I'm dead to myself. I live for Christ. When he was reviled, he reviled not again. Then it says, and, and when he suffered, when he, when he suffered, he threatened not. He reviled not, and when he suffered, he threatened not. We sing that song, he could have called 10,000 angels to destroy the world. But he died alone. He could have called 10,000. That's true. But he didn't. He didn't tell them, y'all are going to pay for what you're doing to me. When he suffered, it says, he, he threatened not. But he committed himself to, to him that judges righteously. Paul calls Timothy to keep the commandment here in, in uh, our text verse. Keep the commandment. Possibly the whole commandments that Paul has brought to him, or maybe it's a specific commandment. In verse 14 of uh, 1 Timothy 6, keep this commandment. And how is he supposed to keep it? He's supposed to keep it without spot. Keeping the commandment is this. This is where the rubber meets the road. When we live out our Christian faith, and we, we, we do what God has asked us to do, we're supposed to love Him above all things. With all of our strength, mind, soul, everything, to love God first. If anything comes in its way, it, it's not loving God more than all these other things. It's just loving God. If we love other things beside, that's, that's not... We need to love Him. All other loves should be considered as hate, the Scripture says. To love our neighbors, to love our enemies even, is how we, we demonstrate that love we have for God. That's, that's keeping the commandment. Not just in church where we observe, people are observing us, but out there amongst the, the Christians and the non-Christians in the world. That's where, we're, that's where we demonstrate how we keep the commandments. And, the, and, it's, and how does it say we should do it? It says without spot. We should do this without spot. What, what comes to your mind when you think of without spot? I think of something clean and pure. I think of laundry often. 
We take out the spots when we wash our laundry. The Greek word here that was used was used three other times in the Scripture. James used that same word when he says, pure religion and undefiled before God is to visit the fatherless and the widows and to keep ourselves unspotted from the world. So the world, the things of the world are what create those spots. The world's ideas of how to worship God. The world's idea of how to live for God. All those things, we shouldn't shouldn't use those because they become a spot. Peter used this same word when when he described the blood of Christ and he said, as a lamb without blemish and without spot. There was no contamination there. There was nothing that would would hinder it from being worthy to be used for our redemption. And as we come and we keep God's commandments, we are to do it without spot. And then it says, the next word it says there in, in verse 14, it says, keep His commandment without spot, unrebukable. And that's when I think of above reproach, that's another word that is similar. Unrebukable. Not just without rebuke, but that there could be no rebuke because we have followed Christ in such a way that there could be no fault found in it. That thou keep this commandment without spot, unrebukable, until the appearing of our Lord Jesus Christ. From now, starting now, until then, until He comes again, we follow His commandments without reproach, above, living above reproach, without spot and unrebukable before the Lord. If I commit myself to living that way, to live keeping the commandments without spot and unrebukable, then when communion time comes around, I don't need to worry about whether I'm living worthily to partake. Because I know that I am. Things are under the blood. I'm taking, things are taken care of. I don't need to be concerned about my standing before God. I don't need to be concerned whether I'm unworthy. I am. We are unworthy of ourselves. But I am worthy because we can place ourselves in the Scripture. I am worthy because I am crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, I live. Yet not I, but Christ liveth in me. And the life that it, which I now live in the flesh, I live by the faith of the Son of God who loved me and gave Himself for me. That is why we're worthy. And that's the message for today. Am I living above reproach? Peter, I mean, uh, Timothy here, is, he, he is reminded that he should live in a way, keep the commandment in a way that is without spot and unrebukable. They could not rebuke him for the way he lived until the appearing of Jesus Christ. That's our mandate as well, to live that way for the Lord. Unrebukable, above reproach. I have one other thought that I'd like to share this morning. Something I heard recently. um, In the parable of the sower... We're familiar with the parable of the sower. The sower went out to sow, and some fell by the wayside, some in the stony ground. And uh, I was reading an article, listening to an article, actually, and 
he was talking about how the farmer was sowing the seed and, and some of it fell on the hard ground, the pathway, and some of it is tread upon and, and, and the birds, there were birds that came and snatched up the seed. These birds are sitting in the trees. They're sitting on the line. They're maybe soaring high up above and they're watching and they're waiting for that seed to be sown so they can come and snatch it up and they eat it. And the memory of it is gone because they ate it. They swoop down and they consume it. And the soil which was intended to receive the seed has no memory of it because it was there, but then it was gone. It didn't, it didn't receive it. And later, Jesus explains this, that the birds... The birds are in reference to the devil who comes and steals the seed, which is the word of God. And he is actively doing that even today, in today's time, in this era. He actively is out when the seed of God, the word of God is sown to snatch it before it takes root. That's his, he has demonic hosts that do that every time the word is preached. If there's anything that lays on top of the soil and doesn't penetrate, they snatch it up and take it away. I don't know if it, have you ever, like, Monday morning, someone asks you, so, were you at church yesterday? Yeah. Well, what, what was the message about? And you think, well, I don't remember. I, I don't know if that is in reference to that or not. Maybe, maybe my heart is so hard it didn't penetrate and I don't remember because it was snatched away. Or is it just my failing memories? I don't know. It could be. It could be either one. We have to be careful. So, this is where my mind went. We rail against the enemy. The birds that are swooping about, wanting to steal that seed, and rightfully so. We pray often before a message that God would protect us from the enemy. That he would surround us and protect us. And that's right to do that. But, then I thought, but what about the soil that the seed was landing on? It was hard soil. Maybe this is a problem that we should be praying about as well. Is my heart hard? That's my concern this morning. Is there a reason why the seed is dropping on it and it isn't entering in? Why are there so many dry times? Hard times? Times when when meditating doesn't happen because the seed never gets under through the soil. It just lays there on top and then it gets snatched away. If it, get, if it lays there long enough, it'll get either swept away or it'll trampled upon or it'll get eaten up by the birds and gone forever. Maybe this doesn't resonate with you. And if, if you feel like your heart is soft and supple and the, it, the seed enters in right away, then praise the Lord. But those of you that are like me, you know what I'm talking about. Sometimes our hearts are hard and cold. And we need to have God come. And soften us up. To break up that fallow ground. That's scriptural. We can pray for that. God, break up the fallow ground in me. That this, this, my soil is able to receive and the birds don't come and snatch that away. 
Remove my stony heart, O Lord, and replace it with a heart of flesh so that we can receive those things. And then, when we do those things, and the Word comes, and it comes in and it, and it enters into the soil, now it has a chance to, to get, have root and to, to grow and prosper. And we become fruitful. And now life isn't dry and boring and church isn't boring anymore because we're receiving God's Word into our hearts. It's not just falling on our hard hearts. Jesus talked about they have ears. He would speak to the people and say, if you have ears to hear, let them hear. Well, of course they have ears to hear and they do hear the words, but there's a spiritual hearing that needs to happen. That's what happens with a soft heart. When we do those things, we live above reproach. And then the blessings of God are our portion. This morning, as you consider your heart before the Lord, whether you're worthy or not, you can become worthy. You can be worthy. All of us can be. Because it is, it is the suffering of our Lord that even remotely um, of ourselves we can never be. It is His suffering that allows us to be. And so that's what we want to commemorate here in two weeks. I pray that the Lord would use the words this morning to stir in us a desire to live above reproach. Let's, let's kneel for prayer this morning, if you would. Heavenly Father, we have enemies all around us, and they would snatch away the word if they would have any, any opportunity at all. We ask, Lord, that you would guard us and that you would allow our hearts to be soft enough to receive what your Holy Spirit would want us to hear this morning. Would you, Lord, prosper us in our hearts? Thank you for the fact that you were a lamb that was spotless, unrebukable, above reproach, a spotless Lamb of God that came and bled and died for us. And as we consider the emblems that represent that, Lord, help us to ever be grateful for what you've done for mankind. Go with us now as we uh, consider the words that we heard this morning. Would you be with us in Jesus' name? Amen.